welcome to the Rich Thoughts Podcast, where our goal is to glorify God and terrify the devil. Get ready. It's going to be a great journey. Good morning and welcome to Rich Thoughts for Breakfast. I'm Harold Herring, and my fine wife Bev is on another assignment this morning. Today we're going to talk about seven money myths. Seven money myths. If you're a born-again, church-attending, Bible-reading believer, there are certain things you should know if you don't already know. If you've heard certain truth but are not living with that truth, then you've made a conscious decision to not be wise or to be stupid, just to be plain about it. And for the record, stupid is knowing what to do and or believe but not doing it. Here are seven things, spiritually speaking, that we should be doing. We should understand that first, doing the same thing over and over, but expecting a different result, not smart. We keep living in the past while expecting our future to be better. We must realize we must release to the past and seek a better future. Remember these two words, release and seek. Proverbs 29.18, 29.18, classic amplifier. Where there's no vision, no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. But he who keeps the law of God, which includes that of man, blessed, happy, fortunate, and enviable, is he. I've never seen anyone have a vision of the past. No need to. We've already had to deal with the reality what's already happened. We must stop doing what we've been doing if we want to receive a God-given vision of the future. The Apostle Paul offers great advice in Philippians 3.13, 3.13, classic Amplified Bible, when it says, I do not consider, brethren, that I've captured and made it my own yet. But one thing I do is my one aspiration, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward what lies ahead. Second, expecting a financial harvest without putting seed in the ground. We have to sow money before we ever get a financial harvest. Why does the Bible say that? Why does the Bible say that we should give? Why should we give according to the Bible? Well, first, it's an act of worship, a reasonable response to all that God has done for us. 2 Corinthians 8, verses 8 and 9. 2 Corinthians 8, 8 and 9, classic amplified. For you are becoming progressively acquainted with and recognizing more strongly and clearly the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, his kindness, his gracious generosity, his undeserved favor and spiritual blessing, and that though he was so very rich, yet for your sakes he became so very poor, in order that by his poverty you might become enriched, abundantly supplied. Second, our giving must reflect more than just lip service. Matthew 6.21, 6.21, classic amplified. For, you, for where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. Third, we should give 
because the Lord Jesus Christ and his apostles taught us to give. 2 Corinthians 8.7 2 Corinthians 8.7, Classic Amplified Bible. Since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. Well, that's a great scripture. Fourth, in the scriptures, God promises rewards for giving. Luke 12, 33. 1233, Classic Amplified Bible. Sell what you possess and give your donations to the poor. Provide yourselves with purses and handbags that do not grow old, an unfailing and inexhaustible treasure in the heavens where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. Fifth, the Bible is a book of absolute. The promises and principles of God are not conditional based on your circumstances and situations. Here's an absolute that we've shared many times before. If you sow, you will reap. Conversely, if you don't sow, you won't reap. And what you sow, that's what you'll reap. As my fine wife Bev says, seed left in the barn will never produce a harvest in the field. Number three, Believing God will answer your prayer when you have unforgiveness in your heart. That's a myth. Psalm 66, 18. 66, 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If you have offense against anyone else, God's not going to hear your prayers. I personally think that the scripture says it all. Ever I'm pristy, I feel impressed to just go a little further. Matthew 5, 23, 24. Matthew 5, 23, 24 in the Message Bible. This is how I want you to conduct yourself in these matters. If you enter a place of worship and about to make an offering, and you suddenly remember a grudge your friend has against you, abandon your offering. Leave immediately. Go to this friend and make things right. Then, and only then, Come back and work things out with God. The scripture is quite clear. If you have unforgiveness in your heart, go make it right, even before giving an offering. Scripture clearly states that our offering will be hindered. There's an offense in our hearts. It's so important that the scripture says to drop everything and deal with it immediately. We also think it's significant that it says the offended person should go seek out the person who has a grudge against him. See, again, the word's clear. It's absolutely, being frank, stupid to think God will hear our prayers when we have a, an offense or unforgiveness toward others. Number four, not caring for widows, orphans, and the poor. James 127, 127. External religious worship, religion, as it is expressed in outward acts, that is pure and unblemished in the sight of God the Father, is this, to visit and help and care for the orphans and widows and their affliction and need, and to keep oneself unspotted and uncontaminated from the world. Pure religion is caring for the widows and orphans 
in their affliction and not letting the world's view sway your belief system. The way I read the scriptures, helping the widows and orphans is not optional. Rather, it's the example of Christian love and compassion that we should show the world. In fact, God is pretty serious about how we treat the widows and the orphans. God even ordained certain laws to protect the widows and the orphans. Exodus 22, verses 22 to 24. 22, 22 to 24, Message Bible. Don't mistreat widows or orphans. If you do, and they cry out to me, you can be sure I'll take them most seriously. I'll show my anger and come raging among you with the sword, and your wives will end up widows and your children orphans. I'd say that God's fairly serious in his desire for his children to care for the widows and the orphans. Number five, thinking that God doesn't keep a record of what you think and do. Ecclesiastes 12.14, 12.14, the Message Bible. And that's it. Eventually, God will bring everything that we do out in the open and judge it. According to its hidden intent, whether it's good or evil. Matthew 12.36, 12.36, classic amplifier. But I tell you, on the day of judgment, men will have to give an account for every idle, inoperative, non-working word they speak. Romans 14.12, 14.12. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. However, once we ask for forgiveness of our sins, the, the, the records really are wiped clean. They're wiped away by the blood of the Lamb. In the Old Testament, the blood covered our sins. In the New Testament, our sins are washed away, forgiven and forgotten. Hebrews 8.12, 8.12, New Living Translation. And I will forgive them their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. See, being frank, it's stupid to think that God will forget your sins unless you've been born again and are living a righteous life. Number six, not being a good and faithful steward. Not being a good and faithful steward. Everybody is accountable for their stewardship of the money they've been entrusted with, whether it's a large amount or a small amount. To think otherwise is not only stupid, but can change where a person will spend eternity. Matthew 25, 27. 25, 27, classic amplifier. Then you should have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I will receive what was my own with interest. How does God view our failure to be a good and faithful steward? Matthew 25, 30. 25, 30, contemporary English version. You are a worthless servant, and you'll be thrown out into the dark where people will cry and grit their teeth in pain. Luke 19, 24, 19, 24. Contemporary English version. Then he said, some other servant standing there, take the money away from him and give it to the servant who earned ten times as much. So here's the bottom line. If you're not faithful with what God has entrusted you stewardship, he'll take it away. He'll take what you have and give it to somebody who will be faithful. And number seven, believing that what God sent for others 
and he won't do it for you. Get a hold of that. Do you believe Acts 10.34 is the whole truth and nothing but the truth? When it says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. The New International Version of Acts 10.34 says it this way, Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. And then Acts 10.34, this time in the Message Bible. It's even clearer. Peter fairly exploded with his good news. It's God's own truth. Nothing can be plainer. God plays no favorites. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and are ready to do as he says, the door is open. Are you confident beyond a shadow of a doubt that your Heavenly Father is no respecter of persons? That what he's done for one believer, he'll do for you? I trust that your answer would be an emphatic yes. Truth be told, anyone who doubts Acts 10.34 is, well, they're a hamburger short of a Happy Meal or they're just spiritually stupid. Think about these things. Hallelujah. And until tomorrow morning at 8.30 Eastern, God bless you. Happy trails. And keep thinking rich thoughts from the Word of God. Bye-bye. We love you.